Last Sunday we started a new message series in the in the book called James in the New Testament. It's a letter. This letter was written by um, a, a guy, oddly enough, named James, and uh, we believe he's the half brother of Jesus. And he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem in the first century. He was martyred uh, around 62 A.D., so about eight years before the fall of Jerusalem. And James was an important leader. We see he served a very critical function in Acts 15 in terms of helping bring some resolution and peace to the church at a time when there was some conflict going on. Um, Great guy. And so he's writing to believers who are beginning to scatter, Jewish believers who are scattering to the, basically throughout the Roman Empire and, and, and writing them to encourage them, to help them. And oddly enough, they're facing some of the very same Issues that we face today, conflict, competition, um, favoritism, uh, you know, they're just personal conduct, their language, uh, just all those things. And so um, it's a really relevant book for today and, and just always surprising to me to see how the issues that we deal with are nothing new. They've, we've been dealing with these for as long as we've, uh, as long as we've had people on the earth. Um, but we're calling this series Faith in Action. The tension in James is, um, can you be saved by grace through faith and not have any action to go with it? And so uh, Martin Luther was one of those who felt like this shouldn't even be in the Bible because he felt like it puts too much emphasis on what you do. But his, you know, kind of the key verse in James is faith without works is dead. You've got to have both. You can't just talk about your faith or believe something without it having an impact on how you live, changing your life, changing your behavior, changing your, your patterns. So that's where we're at. And if, you, if you're able to stand with me for the reading of God's word, I invite you to find James chapter 1. We're in verse 19. We're going to read to the end of the chapter, verse 27. James 1, 19, near the end of your New Testament, after the book of Hebrews, but before you get to Revelation. He writes this. He says, understand this, dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves, for if you Listen to the word and don't obey. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you carefully, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Thank the Lord for his word this morning. When I was uh, a youngster so long ago, um, and my my parents perhaps could verify this for you, and I don't know if they're watching the 9 o'clock stream or the 10.30 stream, so mom and dad, if you're on... Don't make any comments on the stream right now in the chat. Uh, but anyway, as a kid, I was a bit of a hothead. Uh, I had a kind of a quick temper. I could melt down pretty easily. I think it's probably because I was the last born and the obvious favorite in the family. 
And that's for the benefit of my siblings in case they're watching and they just need to hear it again. Brian's the favorite. Um, but yeah, I may have been known to throw a tantrum or two in those days. And I'd like to think I've matured out of those childish ways. But there are moments when that beast wants to rise up again. And, and into that, James warns, verse 20, human anger does not accomplish or produce the righteousness God desires. Now, why would I, why would I start there? It seems like a strange place to, to start the message today. It's because we're gonna, what we're gonna come back to a few times here is this emphasis that, that our way of doing things cannot achieve the right things. And, and, you know, we might have a righteous desire, but if we use unholy or ungodly or human ways of accomplishing it, that the, the, the means, the end does not justify the means. And so we're unpacking and, and trying to learn what it means to do things God's way instead of our own ways. And so into that, James gives this, this kind of rule of three as a way of self-governing ourselves uh, in relationships, in particular response to this business about anger. Verse 19, he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. It's this rule of three, quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And if we all practiced that, I bet you we'd be way, way further ahead. This applies to what you type on social media. Listen to yourself, Brian. This reply applies to, you know, how we speak to our friends, coworkers, and so on. And, and keep in mind that we're in this context, in, the, in this book here, we're in this context of addressing how to respond specifically to trials, temptations, hardships, difficulties. I don't know if you were here last week, but you may remember, you know, we were challenged to consider all those difficult things with what? Do you remember the word, three letters in this word? Joy. With joy, real joy, pure joy when you are kind of faced with difficulties in trials. Because as we choose joy, it develops endurance, which develops character, right? Now, I think what James would really want us to grasp in here is that, the, like I said, the human way of getting things done will not accomplish God's mission. And I'm not even talking about stupid things like riots and violence and tearing down statues. It's not where, where I'm going with that. But, but, but that's kind of a tantrum, right? So whether we use a, a tantrum to get our way or whether we use you know, clever arguments or whether we kind of manipulate with with money and resources, or with whatever human method we're using, cannot accomplish God's righteousness. And so then, it really begs the question, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to achieve? Or another way of saying it, what is the goal of life? What's the goal in your life? Isn't your goal, as if you're a follower of Jesus, isn't your goal to live faithfully for Christ and lead others to follow Him as well? Isn't that the point? Isn't that the... The intent of our life. And I, I think we can too easily make our life about lesser things, lesser things rather than knowing Christ and making him known. We, we might give ourselves to, to things like building wealth or pursuing recreation or, 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 or achieving success or making an idol of our comfort and our safety. All things that are not necessarily bad in themselves but are a wrong goal for life. What if we do what really matters? Knowing Christ and making Christ known. I was reminded this week in something that I read that um, 
we're often led to believe that to be a Christian is just to be a nice person who does nice things. Oh, that's a nice person who does nice things. Um, that's boring. That's really boring. Uh, you don't need Jesus for that. Uh, if it's all just about being a nice person who does nice things, you could be a Buddhist or a, you know, a socially conscious atheist. You don't really need Jesus. Instead, here's the thing. Instead, because we have put our full faith and trust in Christ, right? We become, instead of the selfish individuals that we are, we're being transformed, built into a people who, who actually don't look like the culture around us. We look different. We function differently. We think differently. We have a different perspective on things. We don't find the same things humorous or interesting. We, we, it's different for us. And we, we can't just be people who learn about following Jesus and then not do it. We can't just be, you know, eggheads who just kind of fill our heads with knowledge. And, right? That James is saying that that would be like, look at yourself in a mirror. It might even be a really good mirror, like those, you know, magnifying lighted makeup mirrors that show every blemish and, and fault in your face. You want to forget that mirror, right? He says it would be like looking in a mirror and then forget what you look like. Instead, he says, look intently, diligently into the law of God. What does it mean? The whole of Scripture. Look diligently, intently, not for the purpose of being an academic, but for the purpose of enacting, putting into practice God's truth in our lives. You can't just hear and not do. Um, It did bring to mind for me six years ago today, actually six years ago today, I, uh, I attend this all-day class on how to exit an airplane when it's 10,500 feet in the air. And, and I did that. And, and those of you who were around at that time may remember fondly me in a, in a wheelchair and then on a scooter and, and recovering through all that. Now, when you go through that class, you go through the class, they train you, apparently not very well, but they train you all day. And, uh, and then when you're in the plane... Just before, you know, you're at 10,500 feet and the instructor says, you sure you want to do this? Well, I mean, there's a part of me that wishes I'd said no, but I'm glad I did it because I didn't want to just hear all the instructions and then not do the activity. So, you know, you deal with the plummeting to the earth at a shocking rate of speed at the moment. But here I am. I survived. Right. But if you're going to hear, you got to do. If you're going to listen, you got to enact. You got to take action on that. So, so how do we do this? How do we actually live a kingdom of God lifestyle where where we where we're hearing and doing? Where we, as we're saying in the title today, walk the talk. How do we do this? Three things I think James gives us in this passage to help us. And the first is there in verse 19, and it's just about listening. Got to listen first. Listen. First, things are so, ter- as you know, so terribly polarized right now, right? We're all over the map, even in this room. We probably have some very divergent opinions about what's happening in the world and what's going on and who's right and who's wrong. And, and, and listen, it's partly because people are angry and angry can- people cannot hear. Now, regardless of how they got to that place of anger, angry people can't hear, right? They're screaming and they're screaming at a system that's provided so much for them that they cannot even hear themselves, let alone hear one another, or listen to a, a rational conversation or a reasonable discussion. 
So what if we as believers, and what if we as a church were known as great listeners? We actually hear what people have to say, hear the genuine concerns of their heart, and deal with the issues from that standpoint. And I'm not really trying to talk about public protests. It starts at home. It starts with listening to your children, or listening to your spouse, or or listening to your parents. It means that you sit on your impulse to be defensive and make your case and push back, right? You listen quick, James says, to listen and slow to speak. How often we get that wrong. Becky and I celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary this week. Yeah, give her a hand. She deserves an award, I'm telling you, right? Um, but it, it got me thinking about our, our life together, um, because in the early days, I, I was not a great listener. Um, I think I'm getting better. I'm not the best at it yet, but, but back then we had some fairly intense, uh, let's call them discussions, um, right? Mostly because I wasn't very good at listening. I, I always felt like I knew the knew this resolution could you know fix the problem and fix her get my point across if you just listen to me if you just let me talk you know then you'd get it you know you know how effective that is right in the in the moment because of course I knew better um, about everything right and I, I I think I've been learning to listen but that little thought triggered uh, this other this video I just was reminded of this little video it's a classic it's been around several years See if you've seen this before. It's called Not About the Nail. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it. Like, literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know. Uh, you've probably seen that before. That one never gets old for me, right? We've got we to gotta listen. We've got to learn to listen. If we're going to have an impact... Whatsoever, instead of getting angry and fighting battles the world's way by shouting and yelling, let's listen. Second thing is to clean house. You see this in verse 21, James says, So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. In other words, make some room for God's word in your life to do some work. Clear the deck, clear, clear house. Make some room for the, for the Word of God in your life. I'm reminded of, of what Jordan Peterson, he's a, he's a professor and, and uh, he's written some books and he's kind of he's got this following around from young adults. And he wrote a book called 12 Rules for Life. And rule number six is this, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. I like that. There's a sense of clean house. Our family, Becky and I, and our, our boys have lived in the same house now for about 12 and a half years. It was the longest by far that we lived in any one place. We moved a fair bit before that. But, but one of the benefits, we like being where we are, but one of the benefits of moving, we learned over the years, was that, is that you purge all the unnecessary stuff. Some of you have moved in the last few years. You know what I'm talking about. You're just like, yeah, I don't really need that. I'm not sure why we moved this from the last place, but it's still in a box. Let's get rid of it. I mean, you just kind of go through that purging process uh you, you know if there's space in your house you tend to it tends to fill up right space abhors a vacuum they say i don't know if any of you experienced that but but can you imagine let's say we moved and and instead of not only getting rid of 
you know, useless junk, we said, oh, let's keep all that. And, you know, those trash cans, those full stinky trash cans, let's take those with us too. Let's take the recycle can with us too. And the green bin, and I know it's full, but let's, let's roll that onto the U-Haul. Let's take it all with us to the new place just in case. It'd be ridiculous. It'd be absurd. Nobody would do that, right? But, but James is saying that as a believer, you've moved into a new house. You, you have a new family. You're a new creation. And, and so he, he wants you to quit dragging the trash from the old life, from the old house into your new place. Get rid of it. Be done with it. All that old anger, all that, the bad attitudes, the unforgiveness, greed, selfishness. He says, purge it. Get rid of it. Be done with that, that filth and, and ungodliness, he says. And I would say, while we're at it, let's not make excuses for the sins of others as well. Right? We love all people. Everyone's welcome, but including sinners, because we ourselves were dead in sin without Christ, so we, we fit in there as well, right? But if we downplay the seriousness of sin, or we say that somehow it doesn't matter, or if we claim that, that what the Bible says is sin isn't sin anymore, and we kind of change that, listen, we're not helping anyone find new life in Christ, because we're not declaring the truth to them, that God loves you, and, and in spite of what you're doing, you can be forgiven, you can be made whole, you can be set free, you don't have to keep living that way. So if we're going to live a kingdom life, one where we're getting to know Jesus, we're making him known, we have to listen. we got a clean house. And, and there's one more in here in verse 22. I would say this. It's to live righteously. Or you might want to say to act righteously. Right? Verse 22. It's a great verse. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling who? Yourselves. Fooling yourselves. See, I, I could sit. We could sit and listen to sermons all day. You could, you know, read the Bible. You could go to a... You, you, know, you know, a good Bible study, you could sing good songs and follow podcasts, um, you know, get good Christian literature in the mail. You could do all those nice Christian things. And actually, those are all good things. Those are good things. Those are good habits, good practices. I encourage you to do that. But without action, without actually making a change in your life, it's a waste. It's a waste of time and resources because you're not fooling anyone. We think that even when those moments of we know that there's not some, we think, well, at least I look good, at least I'm fooling everybody else. And James is saying, no, you know, you're not fooling anybody except yourself. You're the one that's being deceived in that. So he wants you to hear the word and put it into practice and do it. You're going to live righteously. I want to invite Christine and the worship team to, to return to the platform here. They've got a, just a great song to, to lead us in. In closing, but, but I want to give you a couple of um, just examples from James about what, what he's saying. How to, how to do this? How do we live? How do we put this into practice? Verse 26, he says, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. Okay, so here's an example about the tongue, controlling your tongue. And he comes back to this later in the book, so I want to dwell on it. But the question is, what are you using your tongue for? Gossip? Complaining? Right? Profaning the name of God. Right? For example, like, I'd love for Christian believers to stop using the phrase, oh my God. Can, can we just, can we just stop? I, I'm not trying to be legalistic about it, but let's not profane the name of God like that. Unless you're praying, literally praying, oh my God, I call on you today. Right? Instead, use your tongue to be an encourager, to be a blessing, to build people up, to add life to people. Scripture says that you're, 
the power of life and death is in your speech. What you say can speak life to somebody. That's what he wants to do. That's an example of not just hearing but also doing. He gives another example, verse 27. In fact, it's a double example of of action. He says this, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Caring for those who are obviously at a disadvantage in our society, especially widows and fatherless and orphan kids, that's true faith. Some of you have done that exceptionally well. Some of you have fostered and adopted. You've spent time with single moms and and, and widows and folks who who need that care. I love watching that. And and, and to stay not corrupted by the world, or, or another translation says unstained, another translation says to not be polluted by the world. Just think of a, a beautiful stream or river that's just full of crud and junk. He's saying, don't, don't become like that. Obviously, our culture has a corrupting influence, a polluting influence, right? Things never drift toward decency, healthy family values. We saw something on, on TV the other day, and I, I was a little bit shocked. I'm like, this is just like a, a sitcom. I think we were watching it, you know, from, was even like reruns or whatever. I'm like, I can't believe this is what's normal. You know, we're just like, I, I don't think we can watch this. It, it, it never drifts toward good things. So it takes vigilance to remain faithful to, to biblical virtues of integrity and love and compassion and kindness and helping others. It, it's not good for a Christian to blend into culture. We want to be relevant to the culture. We want to speak the language that people understand. We want to be approachable. We want to make the gospel as accessible as possible to the people around us. Right? So it's relevant, but... But if we just blend in, if we just look, look there's, there's no difference. If we just look and sound and feel like everybody else, what's the point? How is that helping? How is that making Jesus known? The world needs real Christians more than ever. Really. If we're going to live faithfully for the Lord, if we're going to lead others to know Jesus personally, this is a great place to start. Listen. Listen first. Clean your house. Act righteously. It's a good pattern. Let's pray together. Father, we, we recognize that we are in desperate need of you, as Christy reminded us earlier today. And I just thank you that you're challenging us to not just look good, not just put up a facade that says we have everything together, not just be, you know, smart with the Bible, and, but you actually want us to live it out as imperfect as we are, as 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 flawed as we can be. And so, God, I'm, I'm asking you to point to those things, point those things out in my life and in our lives where, where we've just listened and not done. God, where we've been quick to anger and, and, and slow to listen, that we would turn that around so that we really would be different as a people. God, we just thank you for your incredible love for us. And Jesus, I just invite you to do that work that we would be more like Jesus. Every day, we thank you, Lord.